You're listening to Double Edged Sword, the podcast channel of Pastor Kilgo, where we dig into the Holy Scriptures to be instructed in the truth, to stand in the light, and have eternal life. May you be richly blessed by the Lord and His Word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud, or lift up his voice, or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the third chapter. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Father in heaven, at the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River, you proclaimed him your beloved Son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit. Make all who are baptized in his name faithful in their calling as your children and inheritors with him of everlasting life. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, all who believe and are baptized shall see the Lord's salvation, baptized into the death of Christ, They are a new creation. 
Through Christ's redemption, they shall stand among the glorious heavenly band of every tribe and nation. There are two fundamental questions that we are given to ask and to answer in this creation. Who am I and who is Jesus? And the way you answer one of these is going to influence also how you answer the other. Now, the world struggles with both of these. The world struggles on the question of who Jesus is because it struggles with the question of who am I. The world refuses to confess, for example, that we are, that we are sinful and unclean and that we are that way by our very nature, that we, we do not have any good welling up in us, that we can't simply pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and try harder and be intrinsically good people. The world just will refuse to confess that. The world refuses to confess as well that we have sinned, not only in our deeds, but in our thoughts and on our words as well. And the world refuses to confess that these things have, in fact, brought great offense against our Lord and God, and that on account of this offense, we are subject to the Lord's wrath and we deserve his eternal punishment. And the world's confusion on all of this can be seen especially in the language of identity. Now, we're encouraged to find our identity in all sorts of different things. We're encouraged to find our identity in our jobs or in our families or in our own person, or whatever it might be, whatever your degree is, whatever. And in fact, there's this very pernicious thing that has happened in the world in which it switched the question from who am I to how do I identify? And this is a pernicious thing because it's fundamentally a spiritual question. It's asking a question not about my physical nature, but about who I am in an intrinsic, deep-down, internal level, and there's two primary issues with this. One, it's a denial that our body and our spirit are, in fact, joined together, that who we are in our spirit and who we are in our body are not distinct from each other. And second, it has only a subjective answer, an answer that is unique to us and will change as often as the winds seem to change. It can change at any moment's notice. And there is also, in the background of all this, and this is what makes it particularly sad to see, there is a lack of joy that then comes along with all of this because we can never be at home with ourselves. We can never sit firmly as we are because we're constantly having to change who we are, at least who we confess ourselves to be. And at the root of all of this is a fundamental issue of how the world answers these questions. Who am I? And who is Jesus? And because the world seeks to answer the first question first, the I question, before it answers the Jesus question, it gets the Jesus question wrong. Because we end up in that when we define ourselves first and then Jesus, we define Jesus through ourselves instead of defining ourselves through Jesus. We should remember that we are made in the image of God and not vice versa. Now, there's a little bit of a joke that goes along with this, that in the beginning, God created man in his image, and ever since, man has been returning the favor, that we continue to look at God and try and conform him to our own image. But that's, that's wrong. 
It's getting the order backwards. And in the baptism of Jesus, we have this great confession of exactly who it is that Jesus is and then who we are in comparison, who we are in Christ. And so we see this as Jesus is coming and he's being baptized by John in the Jordan, that this is the one that John has proclaimed. It's the the great sermon of John. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is what's happening in Jesus' baptism, that Jesus is coming along and he's gathering up into himself in his baptism all the sins of all humanity. There's this great picture that the uh, church fathers like to paint of this where all the baptisms that had been conducted previously by John in the Jordan, it's kind of like John sitting there and he's got all these dirty sheep sitting on the sidelines and he's bringing each one, he's dipping them down in the water and he's bringing them out and they're, they're clean and he's setting them on the, on the side. And then you get Jesus who is the opposite. He comes along and he's, he's clean. This is why John looks at him and he says, do you come to be baptized by me? I need to be baptized by you. John understands who Jesus is and who he is in comparison, but Jesus knows what he's there to do. And so he's baptized. And the picture then is this, that when Jesus goes into the water, instead of going into the water dirty and coming out clean, he goes into the water clean and he comes out dirty. And he is covered and he absorbs into himself all the sins of all humanity, not just those who are baptized in the Jordan, but all the sins of those who came before, all the sins that are there, and all the sins who would come, including your sins. He absorbs them all into himself. This is what the scriptures talk about when they say that Jesus became for us sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. This is what it's talking about here. This is also the one, and this is connected to this, that John proclaims, uh, that Jesus proclaims to John, uh, that this is the one who would fulfill all righteousness. This is the one who would come along and perfectly keep the Lord's law. Where every place that we failed, all of, our, all of our sins, all of our breaking of God's law, Jesus would come along and he would keep all of it perfectly so that he could truly be declared the righteous one. And in him then that he is our righteousness. And then we get the confession of the Father of who this is. Jesus comes up from the water, and there's maybe a note to be said here that you get this sometimes in talking about baptism, that while Jesus went down into the Jordan and he's submerged in the Jordan River, and and that's why we should always submerge people in baptism as well, except that that's not exactly true. There are plenty of places in the Jordan, in fact, there's quite a likelihood where John is baptizing that the Jordan River is not very deep. It's about knee-deep at the, at the deepest. And so Jesus going down into the Jordan is just going and wading in ankle or knee-deep. And then when he comes out of the water, that is him walking onto the shore. So just a little note there on that. But that when he comes, when he comes out of the water, that the Father's voice is born from heaven, which is a unique thing in the scriptures. And he says this, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And so this is who Jesus is. He's the beloved son of the Father. He's the one with whom the Father is well pleased. And so if we want to know what is pleasing to the Father, we look at Jesus. And when we realize then all of this, and there's more, but when we realize at least this much, this is who Jesus is, then we come to realize who we are as well. And the first step of that is to realize that we are the opposite of these things. But the reason why Jesus is there doing these things is because he's doing it in our stead, in our place. And some of these are fairly obvious. We know when St. John the Baptist preaches, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, we know that that's not talking about us. If you think that's talking about you, we should probably talk after the service. 
It's not talking about you. It's talking about Jesus. And that's fairly clear. But some of these other things, we kind of get this in our minds that maybe this is a little bit with us too, that we are intrinsically righteous, for example, or that, uh, that we have uh, not always sinned. We, we sometimes make little mistakes or we sometimes break God's law, but it's not constant. It's not perpetual, that we are not intrinsically sinners. We were talking about this in one of the studies the other day, that it is this question of uh, am I a sinner because I sin, or do I sin because I am a sinner? What, what is our intrinsic nature? And it is the, the latter, that we sin because we are, by our nature, according to the fall, sinners. Jesus, however, does not, and that he comes along then to fill all righteousness, and he is the one who is the beloved son of the Father. This is the one with whom God is well pleased. We, we tend to think of the Father as always just always looking upon us and smiling regardless of what we're doing, that God's just always happy with us. But God is not always happy with us. In our sin, God, in fact, is angry with us. God is wrathful against sin. The scriptures are immensely clear on that. And so Jesus is the converse of this. Jesus is the one whom the Father says, this is my son of whom I'm well pleased. But this is what makes it such a beautiful thing then for us is these things do end up being said about us, but only through Christ. They're not said of us in our own intrinsic nature, but they are said of us in Christ. In, in particular, they are said of us in Christ in our own baptism. And so the, the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan, even though it's not the same baptism that we get, it is a foreshadowing and a picture of what we do get in baptism because we get Jesus we get the one who's being baptized. We don't get his baptism. We get something even better. We get the one being baptized. We get the beloved son of God. We get the one who is righteous. We get the lamb of God who's taking away the sin of the world. And in case you didn't know this, dear saints, you are part of the world. And so that includes you when Jesus takes away the world's sins. And so we have this, this confession. Who am I? Well, I'm baptized. That's my identity, instead of having some sort of identity that is subjective, that is based only on myself or whatever I'm thinking at the moment or however I feel at the moment, bound to change based on whatever day it is, we have this great reality that never changes. And it never changes because it's subject not to ourselves, but to God's word and promise. And we, we do well to remember some of these. Uh, for example, when, when uh, Jesus says in, in Mark, that whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That that promise is, in fact, for you. And you, dear saints, here, sitting here today, you believe, and you are baptized, and so salvation is yours. And that baptism, St. Peter reaffirms this, baptism, which corresponds to the flood, now saves you. Not because it removes dirt from the body, not because it makes you externally clean, but because it's, it's an appeal to God for a good conscience. Because it makes you clean on the inside, which is where you need to be cleansed. You can take plenty of showers. You can take care of the, the external cleansing. God needs to take care of the internal cleansing, and that is your baptism. And then we remember that all these things, all these sins that we've committed, that that's that's not our identity any longer. Uh, St. Paul in 1 Corinthians gives this wonderful thing. He lists off a whole bunch of uh, various sins like idolatry and gossip and, and all this sort of stuff. And he says, such were some of you. That used to be what we were. But you have been washed. You have been sanctified, made holy. You have been justified in the name of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. Your baptism 
has washed you and sanctified you and justified you. And so on account of that, the author of Hebrews makes this wonderful note. Let us therefore draw near to the throne of God with full assurance of faith and our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That we can approach God not as our enemy but as our father. And this is a wonderful thing for us. And instead of having an identity which is based on separating our body and soul from one another, our physical and spiritual realities from one another, we have this reality that is a merger of the two, that what happens to us physically in our baptism also affects us spiritually. And this is a wonderful gift that God gives to us. And so we have this question then, who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is the only begotten Son of the Father, baptized to fulfill all righteousness in my, for my sake. And so who am I? Well, I am God's own child, baptized into Christ, and so Jesus' righteousness is my righteousness too. Who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is the well-pleasing Son of the Father, and so who am I? Well, I am God's own child, baptized into Christ, and so the Father looks upon me and is well pleased with me as well and calls me his child. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the one who has taken upon himself the sins of humanity, and so who am I? I am God's own child, baptized into Christ, and so all of my sins are crucified in the body of Christ. Who is Jesus? Jesus is, as St. Paul said in our epistle, our wisdom and our righteousness, and our sanctification, and our, and our redemption. And so who am I? I am God's own child, baptized into Jesus. And so I am given to see with the wisdom of the Holy Scriptures, and I am made straight with God, and I am set apart for his service, and I am purchased with Christ's holy and precious blood that covers me and all my sins in the waters of baptism. It's what we sang about in Luther's baptismal hymn. All that the mortal eye beholds is waters we pour it. But before the eye of faith unfolds, the power of Jesus' merit. And here's what it sees. For here it sees the crimson flood to all our ills bring healing. The wonders of his precious blood, the love of God revealing, assuring his own pardon. When we can answer these questions rightly and in the right order, we see that our identity is bound up to our being baptized. And we also have a couple other wonderful effects of that then. The first, that we are set at peace, that we are no longer the Lord's enemies, but his children, that we are no longer under the Lord's wrath, but under his mercy, that we are no longer subject to the Lord's anger, but to his kindness. And secondly, that we have the great joy that comes with being baptized, with belonging to God, that God smiles upon us in our baptism, so we can smile too. It's okay to smile, dear saints. And such joy permeates just every single aspect of our being, and it doesn't matter what gets thrown at us. It doesn't matter who our enemies are any longer because one of them is not God. The sin may be our enemy, but it cannot destroy us. Sin disturb my soul no longer. I am baptized into Christ. I have comfort even stronger Jesus-cleansing sacrifice. Should a guilty conscience seize me since my baptism did release me in a dear forgiving flood sprinkling me with Jesus' blood? And the devil may come up to you, and not may, but he will come up to you and tempt you with all sorts of things, but he cannot destroy you. Satan, hear this proclamation. 
I am baptized into Christ. Drop, drop your ugly accusation. I am not so soon enticed. Now that to the font I've traveled, all your might has come unraveled. And against your tyranny, God, my Lord, unites with me. And even the grave, even the grave scowling at us can no longer destroy us. Death, you cannot end my gladness. I am baptized into Christ. When I die, I leave all sadness to inherit paradise. Though I lie in dust and ashes, faith assurance brightly flashes. Baptism has the strength divine to make life immortal mine. And so we go out into the world with this joy that cannot be touched by anything. It can't be stripped away by anything. It can overcome even the darkest of days because we are set in our baptism in a reality that is greater and more certain than anything else because God has proclaimed it to you and God has done it to you and therefore it is certain. God's own child, I gladly say it, I'm baptized into Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to Double-Edged Sword. If you appreciate the channel, please consider supporting it by going over to my Patreon page, which you can find linked in the description. You can also find other content on the YouTube channel. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.